Yay. Good morning. It's cooler in here today. My gosh, do you feel it? I didn't sweat hardly at all yet. Amen. Okay. Yes. I'm so excited. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to contain that. I'm try to like be chill for you. But I'm probably going to freak out a little. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that looks like four hours of preaching. And I can't do that. Look. It's okay. I knew it was going to tumble. I, I just knew it. And nobody, somebody didn't have faith for me to hold it there. It's okay. It's all right. We're good. Thank you, guys. Look at that. You got a light and everything. Get out of here. Okay, I'm like a little kid. I, I kind of see something and I just go, right? I, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. Last week, I got to kind of just hang with you a little bit and kind of just kind of throw up a little. I don't, I don't have a plan. Every time I grab a mic, I don't have something pre. I have nothing. So when I come up here, I get fed when I come up here to give whatever he wants to give. Not, not, that's not for everybody, but that is for me. It's been that way for a long time. I remember the first time I ever did a, I did a home group. My wife is here, by the way. My wife, Jackie. My, my daughter, Zoe, is here, 17-year-old. My daughter, Briley, is here, 12-year-old. My daughter, Destiny, is here, 26-year-old. Her husband, Justin, is here. And then my mother-in-law, Sandy, is here. Come on. And then my, my first granddaughter, Analei, is here. Hey! Yay! And then our sons, Azariah and Asher, are here. Like, the whole fam's here. They're back in kids' church, tearing it up, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm super, super excited. I really I love the fact that, like, when people say California, they think dark. I don't know if you know that or not, but... I live in Texas, and Texas is full of Christians. But when you go to California, it's a little different. Are you with me? I mean, there are Christians here, but I'm telling you, there's a remnant here in California that isn't gonna settle for less than burning. Like, listen, darkness is the greatest ability to shine. Like, without darkness, you can't shine. Are you with me? Like, the darker it is, the brighter we shine. Sometimes like, man, it's really dark, bro. I'm like, they're like, can you feel it? I'm like, no, I can't because light is in me. So if light is in me, the darkness, I should contrast that so much when I step into it. I shouldn't feel the darkness. I should never feel oppression. Feeling oppression is the demonic having the ability to influence you. <laughs> feeling oppressed by the enemy is actually living by feelings instead of walking by faith. We can't afford to be a people that fight the devil. You are not to fight the devil. You are to fight the fight of faith. Fighting the fight of faith is completely different than fighting the devil. You have no ability in your strength to fight the devil. Do you understand that? Like there's no, there was no way for David to slay Goliath in his natural means. David had to depend on somebody else to do the job. Like when Goliath was taunting, like when a government is taunting, when an enemy is taunting, you can't afford to listen to the taunt. You have to respond with, no, 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 the battle's the Lord's. Because the battle isn't ours, it's the Lord's. And so my question is, where is your faith today? Is your faith in the Lord's ability to keep you? Or is your faith in the devil's ability to deceive you? 
See, we can't afford to be, to be confused in this day and age. We have to be really sharp. You can't afford, that's why like the whole weed thing is actually twisted in the church. I'm just gonna talk about that a little bit because this whole state smells like California. <laughs> I got high every day of my life for 22 years. I mean, I smoked an ounce of weed a week by myself and it was a big deal to me. And it was the way that seemed right to me because it calmed me. And, and I used all the, well, God made this, didn't he? And I didn't even believe in God. I mean, I was the guy to talk about it. This is so weird because in California, there's, there's this mixed culture of, well, you know what? It's legal here. Well, yeah, so is like, come on. Like, do we really wanna stoop to a place of, well, it's legal, I can do this. No, it helps me chill. No, the reason why you can't chill is because you don't know God. Because honestly, the reality of this thing is that righteousness gives you peace with God, therefore you have the chill of a lifetime. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he said, come to me. I need to, I need to start here and just, just nail this thing down. So how many of you ever heard, like it says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down. How many of you have heard that before? Okay, well, if you look in your Bible, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, come to me, all of you who are weary. How many people remember the time before you came to Christ when you were really weary? Do you remember that? Well, you're not supposed to be weary after you come. <laughs> so Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down by life, come to me and I will give you what? Rest. What is Rest peace. It is peace. But if we don't enter into this, you will strive instead of that. And you will be outside of someplace you're supposed to be inside. See, we're supposed to strive to enter into his rest. But once you enter into rest, you're supposed to cease from your striving. The enemy's job is to completely get you into striving, to strive, to anxiety, to fear. He is trying to get you into that place because he wants you to not understand who God's created you to be. He created you to be rest. He created you to be rest. Now listen, he says, come to me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down by life, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says something so significant. We have to remember this, the gospels that we read were letters. They were, they were the whole way through. We've divided them, but they just kept on rolling. So the next scripture says, it says this. Are you guys, let's just open there so you guys are looking at it. Will you guys do it? Do yourself a favor and get some bright markers for your Bible so that it looks all bright and shiny like when you've read it and put notes in it. And then when you're done, give it to somebody else and then do another one. All right, ready? Come to me, all of you who are labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Then he says this, take my, what's it say there? Are you looking at your Bibles? Look at your phone, look at your iPad. Listen, do not just take some preacher's word for it. Do not, you need to be inside of the truth because it's the truth that sets you free and it's the truth that keeps you free. There, listen, people are notorious for just coming to church and listening to whatever, what everybody says. You can't afford to go that route. You have to let the word of God come inside you have to let it, listen, the word, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. 
It's able to divide and separate your soul from your spirit. This is spiritual warfare. You have to understand, and I know you guys are on a series of spiritual warfare. It's my favorite subject ever because we are being deceived by a demonic influence that's trying to hide truth from people. And if you don't let this Bible, let this be the truth, then you will believe the lie. There is no way that you can make it in your Christian life without feeding your spirit the reality of the truth that your spirit needs to grow beyond your flesh. Okay, that one did not sink. That was like a rat sandwich, did not go down. Your spirit has the capacity to grow beyond what your fleshly body can contain. You have to be so strong in your spirit, man, that you cannot be deceived by any lie anywhere and that you know the truth, the truth that sets you free, keeps you free, but the truth that you know will also allow other people to walk in freedom. You have to do this. It says the word of God is alive, sharp, and active, Hebrews 4.12, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the soul from the spirit. So the first thing the word wants to do is it wants to separate the way that seems right to a man to the way that is right to God. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. You have three parts. I said it last week. Spirit, soul, and body. Your body has no ability to trump your spirit. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. Your body houses your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you have your spirit man. When you get born again, your spirit man becomes one with God. Never unlinks, never goes away from that. So the spirit of God and your spirit are one. Your soul is the determining factor of whether you're going to believe the truth. Your spirit believes the truth, it's inevitable. So your spirit, when you get into the word, understands every word that's on every page here. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the truth to your spirit. Your soul needs to get completely flipped so that you think like God instead of like man. If you don't let that be the tipping point, You will believe the lies because you will live by your feelings because you grew up by your emotions. You were governed by emotions and we walk by the way we feel instead of the way that's truth. Come on, this is so big and it's really, 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 really important. It's imperative that right now the body of Christ steps into a place of maturity, steps into a place of maturity, gets off the milk and starts to step into solid food. But listen, look, First Peter says, it says this in Peter, it says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That's what it says. So I need to, dev- look, when you get born again, your spirit is an infant. You got a baby spirit. Wow, baby spirit. <laughs> but watch, if you are like, if you have a baby, there's only so long until that baby spits out the nunny and needs milk or spits out that pacifier. I don't care how long. Look, my, if that kid is hungry, give me some milk. Give me the breast, give me the bottle, but don't give me that pacifier anymore because it's not pacifying me. The body of Christ has been sucking her thumb for a long time. She's not getting any nutrients from the thumb. She's not getting any nutrients from the pacifier. And if she doesn't start to feed, the devil is getting more intense and more intense and darkness is encroaching. And it says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. So the the fact is, is that you have to, by your own heart cry, say, God, I desire the truth above a football game. I desire the truth above a PlayStation game. I desire the truth 
more than just hanging out and drinking coffee with my friends. I desire the truth more than I do any other thing on this planet because I want to know the truth and let that truth set me free and keep me free. I want to be a beacon of light in the midst and walk in the midst of perverse, a perverse and corrupt generation, shining as a light. And then when people have trouble, they come to me because First Peter also says that when someone comes and asks you about the hope that's in you, be ready to give an account of why it's there. So my question is, how many people are coming to you saying, you are so full of hope. What is the reason? Why are you so hopeful? Like, can you tell me why you're so hopeful? If you're depressed, you're not hopeful. If you're anxious, you're not hopeful. If you're full of fear, you're not hopeful. You're full of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So we need to make sure that we activate the sound mind that God says we have through the power of the Holy Spirit, but through the love of God, because the love of God is everything. We can't afford to drift away from receiving his marvelous love. It says that God, it says that God has given us. He's given us everything according to life and godliness. But if you don't find out what's packed inside of here, all of a sudden we will stay poor, but be rich. Listen, Jesus has given, we're inherit, we've inherited everything. We're joint heirs with Christ. We have everything that Jesus had. Everything, everything is available to us. But what are you hungry for? Don't just be hungry for a worship session. Be hungry for God on Monday morning. Don't just be hungry for him on Sunday. Monday morning when you wake up, oh my God. Like this morning, my alarm was gonna go off at 4.30. So I was like really excited. Too excited because at 3.49, I woke up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just sat there and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sit here for half an hour and just love you. But my wife's beside me and I don't wanna like wake her up, but, but I'm probably gonna. Because I love Jesus. I'm just like, God, thank you so much. You're just so amazing. I'm trying to like be quiet. And you don't understand. I wake up, I wake up. My wife says I have two speeds, high and off. But the problem is that he loves me and I know it. He loves me and I know it. There's no question of whether he loves me. I've never ever had that be for sale. I've been purchased with the price. Jesus didn't pay a price because I was such a horrible sinner. He paid a price because underneath of that sin was of something of great value that all of heaven went bankrupt to purchase me. And God put the same price tag on every one of us. It's not like you have a different price tag than me. No way. Dude, the Bible says... He who is forgiven much, loves much. People are like, dude, you were such a horrible sinner. No matter, that's the reason why you love so much. No, like you self-righteous person. Do you think that you were all that and you weren't a horrible sinner? Are you kidding me? If you missed one, you've missed them all. Every one of us is equally as sinful without him. So he purchased us. And if you see the reality of his love, it puts you into this place called being right with God. And when you're right with God, you're wrong with the world. When you are right with God, you are wrong with the world, man. Listen, I am possessed by truth. It's the truth that set me free. But I'm not just free, I'm free from you. You're, you know, can you imagine being free from everybody around you? I mean, they can do whatever they want, but they can't stop this. Look, you can't reject me. You know why? Because you didn't accept me. 
Oh, no, you've got to hear this. Look, I can feel the Holy Ghost. Look, I've been accepted in the beloved. So how could a man, a woman, a child, a boss, a colleague, somebody that doesn't like me, somebody that's persecuting me, how could they take away something that they never gave me? Come on, Jesus' blood. We sang about the blood today. Did you hear it? Did you hear what you were singing today? Like all of heaven is on every song about the blood. Come on. It's not something that you had to earn. It's not something that you have to try to try to get to. He got to you. But you have to believe that when he got to you, it was enough. I have never revisited my past for 19 years straight. That's my problem. Oh no, you've got to hear this. I have never ever looked back for 19 years. I've been free from guilt, shame, and condemnation for 19 years. Straight. And I have all hell breaking loose around me. Right now, even right now. But it's not determining my value because I've been purchased. That's been settled. Guys, what if you never, ever, ever look back into your past again? What if it was gone and it never existed? What if the blood of Jesus really did what God said it did? No, no, no. I, I'm Listen, this sounds stupid. People are like, come on, dude, something else. No, no, no. We're not going to go anywhere else. Why? Because if you don't seek first, if you don't seek first, it's the biggest chapter on worry in the Bible, Matthew 6. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom of God and his... Oh, where's that word right there, buddy? Because that next piece of this scripture, if you get that word right there, it's over. The enemy can't touch you. Righteousness is being able to boldly approach the throne of grace in time of need. When's the last time you didn't need Jesus? Come on, everybody's made mistakes that they wish they'd never had. But what if you knew in God's eyes it's as if you never did? People call that, well, that's, that's hyper grace. No, 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 that's real grace. See, real grace empowers real truth to happen. Why would God say that all of us are to reign in this life as kings through the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace if it wasn't true? You know, this always messes with people. Because we're thinking below the finished work, that's why. And a lot of times we're shadow boxing with the enemy outside of the finished work. How much sin did the blood of Jesus cover? All sin. So when you got saved, what happened to your sin? John the Baptist didn't say, behold the Lamb of God that forgives the sin of the world. He's, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away. Are you guys all right? Some of you, look, I see, listen, I look around, I see some theologians looking at me like. Well, watch this. I, I want to tell you something. Like, I was horrible. I shared my testimony last week. I've never revisited anything inside of my testimony, and it's enabled me to live free for 19 years. 19 years, not two weeks. I'm not just sharing a fresh testimony that happened to me two weeks ago. I'm sharing 19 years of Christianity, of not being offended, of not being hurt, of not looking back, of not being guilty, not being ashamed, and not being condemned. It's, it's 19 years proven. That's two decades. So this isn't something I'm just figuring out. It's something that I live. 
Now, if that's possible, why would you not want to live it? Because when I talk to Christians, it's the last thing they're thinking. Because they're constantly wishing that they, couldn't get, they could go back and fix something. Tell me about your ability to go back and fix something. All you can do is say you're sorry. Can you go back and fix it all? The devil is getting you in hindsight to see things that aren't there in the Father's eyes. Am I okay, Pastor? Preaching righteousness and truth. What if God really did remove your sin and, and the Bible says their sins and their lawless deeds, I will. Nope, you have to know this. This is very important. In that day, their sins and their lawless deeds, God says, I will. Whoa, hold on a second. Let's just say that again so everybody can hear it. In that day, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So if God says it in that day, what was that day? What was that day in that day? Do you think it should, listen, if you have to wait to heaven to get free, if you have to wait to get to heaven to get free, death is your savior and Jesus isn't. There's so many people, well, we're never gonna be free till we get to heaven. Well, take that up with Jesus because he said, whom the son sets free is free indeed. So why would I believe that lie? That lie comes from religion. Religion says you can never be free. You'll always be a sinner. But the Bible says that when you get saved by grace through faith, you've become a saint in the eyes of the Father. And a saint means a holy one set apart. Yes, you can still sin. Of course, anybody can sin. I'm not saying that it makes you a robot that you're never gonna miss it. I'm just telling you that the last thing you wanna do is miss it because the first thing you wanna know is that you made it. You guys all right? I'm telling you, religion will, 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 will hurt you. Jesus was relationship hanging on a tree. Religion was screaming at relationship. Relationship hanging on a tree, dying for them. He wasn't just dying for us, he was dying for them too. Come on, if you really are him, then bring yourself down off of there. You know, Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him, but he didn't come to be rescued. He came to die so that we might live. He paid a price so that we could step into the reality of our identity as sons and daughters, knowing who the Father is. He's not just God. He's the Father. And if he doesn't become your father, you'll live like an orphan. And if you think like an orphan, sin will be your war instead of the reality of the love of God being the reality of who you live. You have to live in the love of God. If you read in this Bible and you see what God says about you, the last thing you're going to do is try to fight sin. Come on. If you love God, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Okay. What's the second commandment? Love your neighbor as your you can't love your neighbor unless you love you. And you can't love you unless you see what God says you are. Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. When's the last time your hand told you to steal something? When's the last time your hand told you to do something that your mind didn't premeditate? If I love God with all my heart and I love God with all my soul, what's your soul? Your Whoa, hold on a second. If I love God with all my mind, with all my will, and with all my emotions, that means that this thing is consecrated to God. 
So therefore, how can you want to sin if this is consecrated to God? This is so far from church teaching. I'm not kidding you. Because we're taught that we're sinners and we're barely going to make it. And hey, it's, it's, it's amazing that God even considers you. And that's a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. God didn't just consider you. He sent his son to die for you. The ransom payment of heaven was that Jesus Christ was worth the price of your soul. You, individually, each person, the same price tag hangs on. And if you see the value that he has for you, you'll never look in the mirror and hate what you see again. You look in the mirror and go, oh my God, I see you in there. Oh no, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's true. I see you in there. Oh, somebody's going to get you today. Watch this. How does this affect your witness in praying for the sick? Dude, it, it affects your witness completely. Because if you don't believe the good news, you can't share it with anybody. 97% of people don't lead someone to Christ. That's the stats right now. 97, that's nine and a half of you in here that will never lead one person to Christ if we don't get it. This isn't evangelism. This is a lifestyle. This is a Christian lifestyle that people that are sold out completely, not incorporated Jesus, but sold out completely, have given themselves completely, entered into rest, meaning you can't pay the price that Jesus paid for you to be acceptable to God. So Jesus pays this price to make you acceptable to God and your sins and your lawless deeds, God remembers no more, but the enemy toys with that piece so he can stop you from believing righteousness so he can keep you bound by your past so you can never step into your future. And if you don't understand that God forgave you, your tomorrow will be today all over again. I'm going to try dude. I'm trying to preach it. See, listen, the byproduct of you getting right with God is that there's no, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you'll want to share your faith. Because if you see that you're right with God, you listen, you're like, oh my God, do you understand? Like, you could be right with God. Like, it's, it's exciting. But if you don't believe you are, how could you share it? We're not talking about evangelism. I'm talking about a love relationship with Jesus that pours out. Look, my cup isn't half empty and my cup isn't half full. My cup is overflowing. Period. The world gives those examples. My cup overflows. The Lord fills my cup. People are like, dude, we need to pray for you. You, need, you just poured out, man. Listen, you can't top me off or fill me up. I've got a wellspring inside of me that's springing forth that never runs dry. Jesus Christ is in me. He is the hope of glory. And he pours out everywhere I go because he's in me. He's in me for my sake, but he rests upon me for everybody else's sake. Are you guys with me? Dude, if a witch comes up to me and they want to curse me, come on and get a little closer. I'm really not kidding. Like, Jesus lives in me. I'm not going to go, oh my gosh, there's a... Wait a minute, that person's really dark. Oh, geez, what are we going to do here? Holy Spirit's like, happy meal, happy meal, happy meal. Because they just don't know they're loved by God. Why would I... Listen, fear is not a factor when love is present. Perfect love casts out how much fear? Wait a second. Perfect love casts out then why are we afraid? 
Because we don't know how perfectly loved we are. It's just really simple. We are perfectly loved by God. Like, like he looks at me and when he sees me, he looks right through Jesus and sees me. Jesus is my great high priest that sits at the right hand of God. And when God sees me, he sees me through Jesus. Actually, it says in Ephesians 2, 6, that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. This is all scripture. It's identity, man. You've got to know who he says you are. Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. People are like, well, I know that. But the devil keeps saying, okay, great. He's a liar. Yeah, but he keeps saying, okay, great. Let him talk. Don't answer him. When he touches, you just get closer to Jesus. When he touches, you just go after God and go after the truth of what he says you are. Well, look, the enemy's constantly trying to poke me. Listen, I said it last week. When you squeeze an orange, you get... When you squeeze an apple, you get... If I squeezed an orange into a cup and you drank it and it was apple juice, you would freak out. Right? Orange, ugh. Apple, you'd spit it out. It should be equally as strange that when a Christian gets squeezed, everything but Jesus comes out. The devil should take a risk when he touches you. Because if he touches you and Jesus comes out, he's not wanting to touch you again. Because when he does, all he gets is Jesus. But we're not so full of Jesus, we're full of self. And self, when it gets touched, gets offended. And then self gets into a place of unforgiveness. And then you ask people, how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm working on it. The Lord's work. No, 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 no. You're in unforgiveness. No, no, you don't understand. You don't, it takes time. No, you're in unforgiveness. No, but some things take time. No, it doesn't. It takes a second of seeing God's love for you. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. Exactly. You're in the equation here and you're in trouble. Look, if you've got a problem with this person and this person and this person, it's not them, it's you. It's you. People are like, well, I don't like that. I don't care if you like it. The fact that I would mention it and you would get offended shows that you have an issue. Jesus canceled my lifetime subscription to issues. Canceled. Return to sender. I can't afford to let my heart get bitter towards anybody. Because my war is not against flesh and blood. It is against principalities and demonic strongholds. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Your war is never people. People are made in God's image, but the devil twists people. So if people are twisted, they're not the issue. The enemy still is. But he's trying to play you like a pawn on a chessboard and maneuver you away from God's love. Because if he can get you offended, he knows that you can't receive God's love. It is so good. It is because I live without offense. If you only knew the stuff that comes at me. Listen, the stuff that comes at you is horrible. It's, and when you start preaching righteousness, boy, oh boy. The devil wants you dead. Why? Because it's the key to the whole thing. Righteousness is the key to everything because when you see what you've been made right with God, Romans 5.1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, having peace with God. So my peace with God comes because I see that Jesus settled, oh, I went past the noise variance, that Jesus settled the reality of the war against God and me. It says the carnal mind is at 
enmity or at war with God. So the carnal mind, worldly thinking, fleshly thinking is at war with God. So when you see what Jesus did, we exit out of worldly thinking and we start to think with the mind of Christ. You guys okay? I don't want to go so deep, but I do want to pour out what's coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that the Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God. It says that our spirit reveals the deep things of man. So my spirit and the Holy Spirit, when I get born again, become one spirit. I become one spirit with God. Now, my brain is not in first place, my heart is. In the gospel, your heart can take you places that your brain can't fit. But I have to believe that God loves me because the priority of righteousness is being able to receive the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that you've done, there's nothing that you're doing that is outside of God loving you and, and his, his ability to keep loving you. I'm not saying that what you're doing isn't separating you from loving God. I'm saying that what you're doing isn't stopping God from loving you. When I hook up to the reality of what it means to be right with God, I exit being wrong with God. You have to hear this. This is so big. Romans 8 talks totally about to be carnally minded is death. The carnal mind is at war against God. But Romans 8 also talks about life in the spirit. And it says to be spiritually minded is life, but to be carnally minded is death. We grow up carnally minded. We grow up worldly thinking. Listen, when a child... When a child is born and a child grows up, you do not have to teach your child. You don't have to give them a book on frustration. You don't have to give them a book on mine. You don't have to give them a book. Listen, I need you to learn what selfishness means, okay? They're born with it. They're born with selfishness. They're born with jealousy. They're born with anger. They're born with rage. Come on, they're born with it. We were all born in sin, all of us. But to be born again means to exit what you were born first into. We were born in sin, but when you get born again, you have to understand that you now have separated yourself from the life that, the life that you used to live. But if you never find out what God says about your new life, you'll still live your old life. Oh, this is the spiritual war, is that there aren't, a large amount of Christians that are hungry enough to go inside of this book to find out what God says about them. So what they do is they go to YouTube messages or from pastor to pastor, from church to church, to try to find a message that fits their life. Or you go to a church and you hear something, I didn't really like that. Oh, well, we'll go somewhere else next week. Then all of a sudden you go to another place and then you're, you're, you're just looking. Or let's say you've been offended or you've been hurt by somebody in leadership. Like I know that's nobody in here. I know nobody's ever had that happen. But, but let's say you get offended by a leader. Let's say they were trying to bring truth to you, didn't want to hear it. Or let's say maybe they just said, no, 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 you're going to slow down. You're going to do things like I say. Like maybe it was control. Maybe it was. So all of a sudden that leader didn't know who they were and you got hurt by it. But the fact that you got hurt means that you didn't know who, who you were when it came. 
So now you go to another church looking for them to love you, but the truth is, is that you're looking for fault because you might see it, but then when you walk out, well, nobody even said hi to me today. I mean, I walked, I was there. I mean, people walk right by me, act like I wasn't even there. And then all of a sudden, like, let's just, they don't love. Let's go somewhere else, maybe they'll love. But what you're doing is you're not, you're finding fault. And instead of finding fault, what the Bible says is that you and I are to become love. And when you become love, you can plug in and offer that to where you go. Instead of looking to be loved, you're to become love. Man has had a need to find love since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And they've been on a journey to find out love. Let's find love. And boy, we find it in all the wrong places, buddy. And then you get born again. You come into the church and you're still looking for love in all the wrong places. You guys all right? I am totally trying to offend you. I am. Because what? Because this is, origin, this is the original gospel. This is the truth. But imagine, imagine if you could be free from somebody else's opinion about you. Imagine if you could be free from somebody else attacking you falsely. Do you know that we have this culture that's been established in trying to be liked and Jesus was hated? So I got questions. Like my question is, if Jesus, who was love, who, who was the visible image of the invisible God, who was the express image of the Father, who walked this planet, who never sinned, if they hated him, why would you think they want to love you? Come on. We grow. Look, Facebook likes. How many people like me? I'm liked. Oh, my gosh. I'm liked. People like me. This is amazing. Like, I, 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 people just like me. Boy, I don't care if people like me. You know what I care? I care that God loves me and people are perishing. They're dying and they're looking to try to gain something from somebody that they should never try to gain it from. They're looking to be stroked and pet by people in order to survive. And if I'm liked enough, then I can survive. But if they don't like me, I'll just move over here where they do. Then all of a sudden we move from place to place to try to find like because we don't know that we're loved. If this is your first time hearing me, I am not sorry. No, because I fed on needing people to praise me and stroke me. Listen, if you live by the praise of man, you die by the criticism of man. And I can't afford to live that way. Do you think that my hair, do you think that religion loves my hair? Do you have any idea how much this is hated? That's why I do it. It's a fishing lure. Do you know how many religious fish I catch? Do you know how many people hate me just because of my hair? Like, oh my gosh. Like, what is going on, right? Okay, let me just read the second part of the scripture. Oh, I'm doing good. Okay. Look, come to me, all of you who are labor and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, check this out. The only way, see, Jesus mentions rest here twice. See, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you are burdened, all of you are broken, all of you are hurting. So being born again, you enter into this place with no more shackles, no more chains. Come on. I am free to run. Come on, tell you walk out of the church and go to work. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. Come on. I am free. And that works while you're in a worship service. 
boom, boom. You're dancing left to right. Then you go to work and you're like, oh my God, devils. I'm serious. Like, how many of you, like, enjoying it in here? It's amazing. And you're like, wow, this is so good. How many of you went to a grocery store and someone went, Rawr! And how many of you? Like, how many, how many of that happened? How many of you go to work and you're like, I just want everybody to know. And all of a sudden, Rawr! people just chomp on you. Come on, I'm serious. You tell somebody Jesus loves you. And, they, and right away. That's why people don't do it. But you have to understand that when they do it, they're blind. They can't see. Watch if somebody came up to you and had a red tip on the end of their stick, uh, their stick and had black glasses on and they came up to you, how many of you would say, how many fingers do I have up? How many of you would do it? None of us. Why? They're blind. So why do we get offended when people freak out? You know what they're doing when they snap on you and they're angry at you and they, when they are... I had it last week at a restaurant. We went out to eat, and there was a guy that. Rah, 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 rah. And I said, Somebody needs a hug. I did. I saw that, that little raccoon and elf. I'm like. It says that all creation is groaning for what? The sons of God to be made manifest. What, what the world is saying when they're angry is, Won't you please show me the Father? But you have to know who God's created you to be to step into that. You have to see that you've been made right with God to step into that. You have peace with the one that created everything. You have peace with God. When the enemy comes in, all you have to do is remind the devil of who God's created you to be. When he says, you're never going to be anything, say, I thank God that I'm everything because you're a liar and I'm 100% opposite of what you say. Father, thank you that you've given me everything according to life and godliness. The devil says, yeah, well, remember when you did that? Yep, that was before I was born again. Thank you so much, Jesus. That's the liar. Father, you've forgiven me, and I love you so much. Thank you that the blood of Jesus has made me clean. But that's not the response of Christians. Christians go, oh, my gosh, I thought he forgave me of that. Let me call my friend for prayer. Listen, I, you know, that one thing I, we talked, yeah, I know it was four years ago, but... I, I know I've been saved for four years, but you don't understand. The devil keeps, he keeps bringing it up again and again. He keeps doing it. Will you please, will you call Sally and have her pray too? Because I just need this spiritual warfare to end right now. Do you understand? The devil will never stop. He never stops by you rebuking him. He never stops by you commanding him to get behind you. Why would you command a devil that's beneath you to get behind you? If it's true that Jesus, Jesus is the head and we're the body, is it true that we're the body of Christ, the fullness of him that fills all in all? If the body is attached to the head, Satan is beneath our feet. It says, may the God of peace soon crush Satan under your feet. When the devil whispers to you, why would you bite the bait? It's a lie. Jesus said, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and a stranger's day will not follow. You have to hear it to follow it. So if the devil's whispering to you, just thank God for who you really are. Come on, guys. The devil is trying to bring you back to who you're not so you can never see who you are. He's a liar and the father of lies. 
Don't give him an ounce. Don't give him an inch. Don't give him one breath. Don't rebuke him. The Bible doesn't say rebuke the devil. It doesn't. We, I know we say, you know, Satan, get behind me. You know, Jesus told Peter to get behind him, right? You with me? Why? Because Peter had in mind the things of man and not the things of God. So Jesus said, you're, you're thinking demonically. Get behind me, Satan. Your mind is full of the things of man. Stop thinking like a man and start to think like a man of God. We are not to rebuke the devil. Man, when the devil whispers to me, I'll just praise God for who I really am. Oh, you guys, if you get this, you'll never, ever, ever be depressed again. Do you understand the devil's depressed? Do you understand that he's really depressed? He's really angry. He's really bitter. He's really in unforgiveness. He's full of jealousy. He's full of rage. And he's trying to reproduce his mindset in you. So why would we let him? You guys okay still? It says, take my yoke, in verse 29, Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and do what? No, look at your Bible. Look at your phone. Do something. <laughs> Phones have a scripture on it. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. I need you to do this. This is so imperative. If we don't do this, you can't grow. I'm not kidding. This is a fun place to be. You have an amazing pastor. You have an amazing worship team. But Sunday is not enough for you to feed. You can't. You'll starve. Like a baby would need milk to grow, we need milk. We need spiritual milk of the word to grow. And if we don't grow there, our flesh will grow. So our flesh grows or our spirit man grows. You have the choice to feed one of the two. Are you guys hearing me? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm tired of watching the church get pounded by an enemy who's a liar and fall for something that's fake. When Jesus paid a price for us to stand for something that's true. It says this, it says, take my yoke upon you and, hold on, that's only like a tenth of you. Take my yoke upon you, I'm gonna start citing you for not having your Bible out. Turn the lights on, I'm going after this. Here's why, because we're starving, guys. I need you to understand something. Like your spirit, in the name of Jesus, don't step on that again. <laughs> Sorry. Someone follow me. Thanks. Gosh. I did it last week, but it was this one. We're starving for something that is available, and it's right before you. And if you don't pick it up, and if you don't eat it, you're going to stay starving. Because a worship service is amazing and, and pastors can preach an amazing message. But if you don't feed yourself, you're feeding your flesh. It's the automatic default. It's the automatic default. People are like, well, I just, when I read, I don't understand. You don't understand. Your spirit does. Your spirit does understand. Well, yeah, but I read and I just don't get anything out of it. Your spirit's getting stuff out of it. Yeah, but I just don't get it here. Good. Your heart will take you places your brain can't fit. If your God says he's a rewarder of those that diligently. So if you're seeking him, he says, seek your father in the secret place and your father who is in secret will reward you in the open. So if I go into the secret place, this morning I was with him from, from four, to, four to seven. 
three hours of being with my father, he filled me with truth and love and life. And it's amazing. Was I going through stuff? Yeah. But when those thoughts come, I take them captive to the truth of God's word. And all of a sudden I come out of that with three hours of my day packed full of intimacy and love from my father. So when I'm coming here to speak to you, I'm giving you what he was speaking to me. But when I go about my day, when I go through LA, wherever I'm at, I'm gonna give people Jesus. Why? Because he's all I got. I'm not gonna give people a piece of my mind. I'm gonna give them a piece of his. Okay, let's do it again. Take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? Not from an egg. Do you, have you ever seen two oxen plowing? Where you have that yoke that goes around them, it goes around their necks? You are yoked to Jesus. If you are plowing with Jesus, I'm pretty sure that in your weakness, you'll be made strong. Do you understand that the weaker you are, the greater the magnet for God's strength? In the world, we're taught to be strong, but in the gospel, you have to know that he is strong. That yoke is yoked around you. He's right beside you. He's right here. Like, all you got to do is go, hey, he's right here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from Pastor Todd. Ooh, somebody said it. (laughs) Take my yoke upon you and learn from Now he says, learn from me, so learn from Jesus. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will what? Oh, there it is again. Wait a minute. You says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened down my life, and I will give you rest. Then he says, learn from me, and you'll find it. We come to him, and the initial contact of Jesus gives us that burden is lifted. (gasps) It's a whole new world. And I can breathe and oh my gosh that weight is no more shackles like this is crazy awesome like oh my gosh this is amazing but then you run into Christians are like whoa you need to chill buddy you have no idea how many people told me that you need to slow down this is a marathon not a sprint but that's not in the Bible marathon sprint not in the Bible not even in the message translation it's not there they were like you need to slow down buddy I mean listen we don't want you to be like one of those seeds that fall upon the rock and doesn't get rooted and grounded and all of a sudden, you know, the, the stuff comes and then it just burns it out, doesn't give it a chance to grow. And I'm thinking when I'm brand new, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I never read that parable. They're like, you don't get it. Like, I've been a Christian for 25 years. I'm like, okay. And they're like, you don't, you don't understand. Like, life is coming. I'm like, okay, but isn't he the author and finisher Like, isn't he the one that gave me life? They're like, well, yeah, but you're new. And I'm like, well, okay. Wait a second. Like, I remember going in and praying for somebody that was in a coma. I was a couple months old in the Lord. I just want to pray for people. Like, everywhere I go, I just want to pray for them. Why? Like, I'll ask them if I could pray, and they go, why? I said, because I want to. And they said, well, I don't believe in that. I don't care. Can I still pray? Oh, I'm not kidding. Well, I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, okay, well, let's pray and find out what's real. You don't believe? I do. Let's just see. Well, I don't believe in your God. I don't care. He believes in you. Let me pray for you. Well, all right, go ahead then, tough guy. Nothing's going to happen. Well, let's see. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And God heals them because he loves them. No joke. Like, this is intense. 
Man, I, I challenge you to step into faith. I challenge you to step into who God's created you to be. I challenge you to step in to the truth of who Jesus says you are. Actually go after him and go after what it means to be right with God. Go after what it means to be right with God. Because when you're right with God, you're wrong with the devil. And the devil wants to do everything he can to shut up righteousness because he hates it. He hates it. So this lady, I go in and I'm, I'm praying for this person in a coma. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to open your eyes. And Jesus, I'm only like three months old, you know. I'm like, pulling out every scripture I know. And their eyes didn't open. I walk out of the hospital room and this nurse goes, oh, honey, that was beautiful. And I go, you're a Christian? She goes, oh, yeah. I've been a Christian for 30 years. I said, that's amazing. I wish I was a Christian for 30 years because I've been a Christian for three months. Oh, I could tell that you were new by the way you were praying. I said, what does that mean? She goes, well, you just don't understand. I've been a nurse. For, I've been a Christian a long time. I said, well, did Jesus change? And she said, oh, okay. Let me tell you something. I go, I, I don't want to hear it. I said, because you're angry about Jesus, and that's not love at all. I don't know what's wrong, but something's really wrong. And she just let me have it in front of her colleagues. And I go, you just don't believe he loves you. She goes, who are you to tell me? And I'm like, it sounds just like the Pharisees talking to Jesus. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wow, I'm not going to win this thing. Well, listen, God loves you, and I hope that one day you see it. Bless you. I walked out of there. I didn't know if the person got healed. I just left. But I found out that Christians get really agitated with people that know they're loved by God. I know that I'm loved by God, and people get agitated. Well, who does this guy think he is? Well, I'm 19 years in, and I know that he loves me, and I've never had a day of guilt, shame, or condemnation. You're not going to rain on this parade. You're not going to hurt me or take this away from me. Even death can't take this away from me. To live is Christ and to die is gain. I am not about bowing to the adversary. I will stand and walk in truth. I will burn for righteousness' sake, and I will live this thing out. It says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. I know your pastor's on that, on that um, demonic realm's like, talk right now in the demonic realm and the Jesus realm, which is spiritual warfare. But you have to understand that there is a huge battle for your soul right now. When you become a Christian, the enemy targets your soul so that Jesus can never be enthroned right here. He gets people to invite Jesus into their heart, but he wants them to hold him back from their life. The Bible doesn't say invite Jesus into your heart. It says with a heart one believes unto righteousness. But righteousness is the answer to everything that you could possibly believe about the Bible. Because when you realize that you're right with God, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. If you make a mistake after you've been saved, which people do, everybody has, when you do that, the Bible says that when I confess to God, he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, which means that righteousness remains. That doesn't mean that I've lived free from ever making a mistake. That means that my ability to want to make a mistake gets less and less and less as I grow in intimacy with God. And before you know it, I'm so in love with God that making a mistake is so far from me. But if I do, I have an advocate who's faithful and just to cleanse me of all that junk. But I don't wake up thinking I'm going to sin. I wake up burning for the Lord. I wake up on fire. 
I wake up wanting to give people the message of freedom and truth in the gospel. Because Jesus paid a price that we could all walk in freedom, that we could all live and walk by faith, that none of us would be depressed, anxious, bitter, afraid. Fear is from hell, guys. And so is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is straight from the demonic realm. And if you allow unforgiveness to come into your life and speak to you, you will cut off yourself from hearing the Father's voice ever. Because as soon as you get into a place, look, how many, how many of you have ever had somebody offend you? No, don't be liars. Now watch. I'm not, ta- I'm not saying that it doesn't sting when it comes. But I'm saying that if you don't understand how to take that thought captive immediately, it will take you captive and you'll be in bondage. Somebody attacks you for something that you didn't, did, didn't do. There's no reason for you to try to defend yourself because the accusation isn't true. I get attacked for things I've never done all the time. That's, that's, that's the thing that comes all the time because the enemy wants to knock me out of the position of being right with God and he wants to get me into a place where I actually back off from the word of righteousness and move on to something that's a little safer. He wants me to walk away from the message that brings freedom to a lost and dying world so that I can water it down, build something really big, make you comfortable when the Holy Spirit is called the comforter because God knew you were supposed to be uncomfortable. It is good. I promise. Paul, Paul was persecuted for what reason? Righteousness sake. Paul was preaching to to a Judean culture that it was by the law that they could be right with God, but there's 613 laws and 10 commandments and nobody could ever do it. When Paul got saved, it was so radical. I mean, he's like, the first Christian martyr was killed at Saul's discretion. He was Saul, right? Stephen, the martyr. When Saul got saved, it was so radical. This guy went from the lead persecutor of this thing called the way, this sect called the way, to being like this guy that was going to go into Arabia because Paul didn't just start preaching. He was Saul. His name got changed. But when Saul got converted, Saul went into the desert of Arabia for four years and spent time with Jesus, personally being taught by him for four years in Arabia before he ever preached a message. Paul comes out of Arabia and starts preaching and the disciples are like, this is that guy, this is that guy, this is that one. And Paul wrote 13 books in your Bible, the epistles. And every one of those epistles talk about Paul being persecuted. He was whooped, he was beat, He was striped, it says he was striped five times. Do you know what it's like to be striped with with whips that have bone and metal on them? They, when they hit, they stick and they rip. So Paul is striped with 40 lashes minus one, one time. Why? Because he won't change the message from right standing with God. You receive grace through faith, not because of your works. So the Jews are wanting to kill Saul everywhere he goes. 
but he wouldn't change the message. Imagine the second time getting your robe ripped off your back again, knowing that you're getting tied to a pole and they're gonna whip you again with the same things that left scars on you the last time, but Paul's not gonna change the message. He's getting beat again and he's not changing the message. He's getting beat again and he's not changing the message. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. This message of righteousness, the truth about grace, Jesus Christ paid a price for you to be forgiven much so that you could love much. But the truth is, is in Luke 7, when that lady came into the house, Luke 7, she comes in with the alabaster jar. All of us know the story. I'm going to finish with this. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Okay. Are you okay? Okay. Because I, I know I'm supposed to finish in one minute, so I'm almost there. I'm trying. You don't understand. I'm trying. You're, it's so hard because I want you all to get it right now. I want you guys to go, oh my God, I get it. I got it. I want you to, I got it. Tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. Oh, I got it. I want that to happen. I want you to burn. I want you to be on fire. I want you to be a blood-bought, spirit-taught child of God that's hungry for the word, that gets into the truth, that feeds on living bread and drinks living water. A fire-breathing Christian that doesn't bow to the gods of Baal. That's what I want. I want you to, everywhere you go, be able to share your faith and crush hell for a living. I want you to be a destroyer of hell for a living. I want you to, 1 John 3, 8, for this reason Jesus was made manifest. To destroy the works of the devil. That's what I want you to do. I want us all to do it together so we can destroy hell everywhere we go. When we see bondage, we break it off. When we see lies, we snuff it out, we bring truth. When we see darkness, we blaze with light. We put on Christ and we don't take him off. That's what I want. And it's so hard for me to get it across in an hour. It's like, ah! Gosh. Luke 7, lady busts in. She's got the alabaster jar. She busts in. She anoints Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. And Simon the Pharisee is there. And Simon is with his friends. And he says, if this woman really knew what kind of woman she was, a sinner, he would never let him touch her. In other words, he would never let her touch him, meaning if this man really were a prophet, if he really were the man that he says he is. And Jesus says, Simon, suppose you have two. One owes millions and one owes hundreds. Just putting it into, it's not exact, but I'm telling you, the example is huge to little. Suppose you have two. Neither one could repay the master. The master freely forgave them both. Which, more, which one would be more loved? Which one would receive more love? Which one would love more? He says, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. You've chosen rightly. And this woman who is a sinner, because she's been forgiven much, she will love much. And man, I was preaching and I was, I was getting ready to share again in West Virginia. I was in, just in a meeting. And this was like th three years after I was saved. And, all, and, and man, I went in the back room because someone just said to me, man, the reason why you love so much is because you were such a horrible sinner, bro. And, I, and, I, and it made sense because scripturally it does make sense. But then the Lord says, no, the reason why, Todd, people can't love is because they don't believe how much they've been forgiven. And if you don't believe how much you've been forgiven, you can't walk in forgiveness. Therefore, you walk in unforgiveness. Yeah. 
I truly believe that when he forgave me, he forgot what he forgave and he'll never bring it up again. But if you, but watch this. Here's the, here's the other side. If you don't believe how much you've been forgiven, it's no wonder we have a default of unforgiveness. Because if you don't believe how much you've been forgiven, you can't receive the grace through faith to receive righteousness. Therefore, it's easier for you to hold things against people because you don't understand how much you've been forgiven. Therefore, you can't love much because you don't understand how much you've been forgiven of. Oh, yeah, it never goes over well. <laughs> he who's forgiven much loves much. If you truly see the cross and if you truly see how much he's forgiven you, there'll be no place in you to hold on to something that's not you anymore. But in, in hindsight, and also the byproduct of that is you will never be able to hold anything against anybody ever again. Why? Because you've stepped into the love of God that's in Christ Jesus and you can no longer hold stuff against anybody because your war is not against people. Because when you step out of forgiveness, you step into unforgiveness and you actually shield yourself from receiving the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. <laughs> That, that never goes over well. Why? Because there's so much unforgiveness in the body of Christ right now. So much. I mean, so much. So much gossip, gossip, so much criticism, so much prayer calls about gossip and complaining. Instead of prayer, it's complaining and gossiping about somebody. And when you gossip and complain about somebody because they've done you wrong, you actually give a person that didn't know any better a, a certain lens to see them through. When you call somebody that doesn't understand what somebody else did, you now give them the opportunity to have a lens created by you to personally see them through, and you cause them to get in unforgiveness too. And we call it church, and it's not church at all. It's the devil. It's the devil. So to be forgiven much is to love much. We have to believe that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price to forgive us of all of our sins and all of our lawless deeds and that God looks at you and remembers them no more. But I can promise you the first place, the best place to step into this is to actually say, I am in a place of unforgiveness and I'm holding stuff against people and I wanna let it go because you can't receive the love of God that's in Christ Jesus if you're holding stuff against anybody and I don't care what the reason is. So I'm just going to ask you this. If you're here and you know that you have ought in your heart towards anybody, stand to your feet. This is the only way to freedom, guys, and I'm not joking. This is the original gospel, the original love of God, and God's not mad at you. He didn't preach at you today going, I can't believe you horrible sinners. He's saying, I love you and I want you to be free. That's what he's saying. Are you guys with me? You hear me? He loves you. He's not mad at any of you. He's saying, come on, get free. Just get free. Let that thing go. Release it. Come on, man. Release it. You don't got to hold that stuff anymore. Jesus is king, and he wants to set us all free. Come on, listen. If, watch this, if that person or those people knew who they were, they never would have did what they did. Here's my example. If they lived and thought and, and walked like Jesus, would have ever happened to you? If those people that we're forgiving right now, if they lived and walked with Jesus, 
Would Jesus have done what they did to you? Yes or no? Would Jesus have hurt you? Would Jesus have offended you? Would Jesus have caused you to be in unforgiveness? Would the devil, would the devil, would the devil try to keep you in bondage and unforgiveness? Your war is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities. But principalities coming against you cause you to be offended and you get offended against people instead of principalities. So take your anger, make it holy anger, make it the fear of the Lord. Let those people go so that you can actually have a right relationship with God and be restored to innocence and purity again so that you don't have any junk in your closet and you can actually give the devil a bad day every day. Are you with me? I promise this, the next time you feel the sting of somebody hurting you, I need you to take that thought captive and I want you to say this, Father, I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, but I know who I am. You've created me to walk like Jesus. I want to say it again. Father, I forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. If you just go to that part right there, I promise you, you'll stay free. And when that thought comes back, you take it captive again and you say, Father, I forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when they keep coming at you, as soon as you can walk away from that thing, or if you can say it under your breath, Father, I forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Father, I know who I am. I'm your son. You made me in the image and the likeness of God. Are you with me? This right here will set you free and keep you free. And if you can stay unoffended, that is Christianity right there. Unoffended and burning for God. Are you ready? Come on, close your eyes. Father, come on everybody with me. Father, we forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. Wash us clean. Pure. Blameless. And spotless. We are your bride. We are your body. Let us glorify you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Put your hands in the air for me. I'm just going to pray over you guys. In the name of Jesus, I command every demonic voice to be silent right now. In Jesus' name, loose these people now. Father, I thank you by the anointing, by the power of the Holy Ghost, in the mighty name of Jesus. I break off a spirit of suicide in this place right now in the name of Jesus, God. Right now, let them go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name right now. Depression, I command you, get out right now. In Jesus' name. Anxiety, I come against you and break your power. In the mighty name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name right now, let them go. Father, I thank you. Lord, I ask you to make 
the Father's voice, the strongest voice in our life. Jesus, we want to hear you. We want to know you. We want you to speak to us. Father, we thank you. We love you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Digestive disorders, I curse you and command you go right now in Jesus' name. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, every digestive disorder, I command you go. Acid reflux, get out. Crohn's disease, get out. Colitis, get out in Jesus' name. Ulcers, I break your power. In the mighty name of Jesus, right now, let go. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for brand new discs in the neck right now. In Jesus' name, neck be healed, be loosed right now. I need you to move your neck around in the name of Jesus. Neck be healed right now. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for complete wholeness. Every neck be loosed, every muscle be loosed. Discs be healed in Jesus' name. Nerves be loosed right now. In the name of Jesus. Brand new shoulders in Jesus' name. I want you to move your shoulders around. If you have a shoulder injury, just lift it up and down. Shoulders be healed. Rotator cuff be healed. Labrum be healed. In Jesus' name right now. Brand new wholeness, healing in Jesus' name. If you have a shoulder issue, I want you to lift your arm up and down and check it right now. In Jesus' name, be healed right now. Father, thank you for brand new shoulders. In the mighty name of Jesus. Brand new. God, I thank you for hearts, physical hearts being healed right now. Healing of the heart right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for brand new hearts. I thank you for brand new lungs. Asthma. Get out in Jesus' name. I break your power by the blood of Jesus. Right now, brand new breathing, brand new lungs, brand new hearts, brand new kidneys in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Father, I thank you for complete wholeness in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, brand new organs, every organ in the body be healed. Pancreas be healed in Jesus' name right now. God, I thank you for complete wholeness. Discs in the back be healed. Herniated discs, perforated discs, bulging discs be healed. Sciatic nerve be loose right now in Jesus' name. I command your back to be healed in Jesus' name. Spirit of infirmity, I break your power. I command you let go now in Jesus' name. Brand new, every bit be healed in Jesus' name. Brand new hips in the mighty name of Jesus. Hips be healed. Brand new hip socket in Jesus' name. Brand new. God, thank you for brand new knees. Every sports injury be healed in Jesus' name. I need you to check your knees. Check your back right now. Just move around. Brand new. Brand new ankles in Jesus' name. Be healed. Elbows, joints, arthritis. Get out in Jesus' name. I break your power. In the name of Jesus right now. Brand new. Every bit. In Jesus' name. Brand new right now. God, I thank you for wholeness. I want everybody to put your hand on the person next to you. Please. Just on their shoulder. I want you to say this with me. 
in the name of Jesus we thank you for healing and wholeness of our body from head to toe right now in Jesus mighty name be made whole be healed right now Father I thank you for sleeping disorders say this sleeping disorders be healed right now in Jesus name in Jesus name be healed blood disorders be healed sexually transmitted diseases since we've been forgiven since we've repented you no longer have a place in our bodies in the mighty name of Jesus sin brought STDs in grace moves STDs out so in the name of Jesus be healed right now from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet in Jesus mighty name migraine headaches disappear and never return ears open eyes see in Jesus name right now I want you to check your body all over the room if you've been healed of something. Just check. Check. Move around. Check your knees. Check your back. Check your ankles. Check everything. Just move around and check. If you can physically check it, I want you to check it. If you've got breakthrough in something healing-wise, I want you to wave both hands over your head right now. Come on. Wave your hands over your head. Listen. If you've been healed, I want you to wave both hands over your head like this. Come on, can we give Jesus a big shout? A big shout! A big shout! Amen! Amen!